As you know, it's important to me that the supplements I recommend and use are of the highest quality. That's why I stock the Protocol for Life Balance product line at my online dispensary. Protocol for Life Balance offers a wide range of professional-grade products using ingredients backed by strong scientific research. Among them, several stand out for their support of aging healthfully, PQQ, glutathione, and alpha-lipoic acid. PQQ helps support your heart and brain function and promotes robust cellular energy production. Glutathione supports proper cellular detoxification and healthy immune function, and alpha-lipoic acid helps maintain your neural health and helps preserve optimal blood flow. Each of these products takes its own unique approach to neutralizing free radicals and protecting us from oxidative stress as we age. They're only available from healthcare practitioners, but they're available to you at drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance. That's drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance for more information and to order. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. From time to time, uh, we depart from our usual format uh, to provide you with sort of a Paul Revere moment. Uh, to arms, to arms, the British are coming. Uh, and this is one such moment. And I don't want to be a chicken little, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, uh, or the boy that uh, cried wolf. But uh, this is very a very important juncture uh, for those of us who uh, utilize nutritional supplements. And I'm sure that applies to the vast majority of you out there who are intelligent medicine listeners. Uh, today, we're going to talk to the executive director of an entity called the Alliance for Natural Health, ANH, website uh, anh-usa.org. Uh, they are an organization that has campaigned for freedom of choice in healthcare, particularly when it comes to natural approaches to healthcare, the approaches that we like to prioritize here on intelligent medicine. Uh, full disclosure, I am the medical director of the Alliance for Natural Health. It's one of my favorite organizations. I belong to it for uh, two decades now, and uh, they've made a lot of progress in terms of pushing back against excessive regulation uh, and standing up for the rights of natural products consumers like yourselves. Uh, our guest today is the executive director of the Alliance for Natural Health. She's Gretchen Dubow. Uh, Gretchen is an attorney. Uh, she has a lot of experience in governmental affairs because that's where we need to apply the muscle because uh, legislation in the states and federally uh, has an impact on whether or not we can access supplements of our choice. Uh, Gretchen, it's a pleasure having you on Intelligent Medicine. Thank you so much for having me. Great to be here. Indeed it is. So uh, what's going on? Why is there a potential threat to our access, our free access to supplements that we now enjoy? Senator Dick Durbin has recently introduced legislation that would require mandatory product listing for all dietary supplement companies for all of their products. This is a legislative proposal he has been seeking to introduce and pass since 2011. 
And we've beat him back so far three times. And he's pushing really, really hard through various avenues. And I can talk about that. But first, I'll tell you about the bill. It sounds innocuous. What's the big deal if companies have to register all of their products and ingredients with uh, the federal government, with the FDA in particular? And, and I'll tell you what the problem is. It is basically giving the FDA a list of everything out there that they plan to cross-reference through various avenues with their approaches to eliminate supplements. And I can talk a little bit more about that. Um, for example, one of the things that Durbin is seeking to do, his long game, is to eliminate high-dose supplements. In fact, his original bill in 2011 had an additional component, which required the Institute of Medicine, which is now the National Academies of Sciences, to look at every supplement label that was registered with the FDA, analyze the ingredients, determine which ones they thought would potentially cause harm, and then there would be a mandatory label required, a warning label on those supplements, which is actually one step away from removing them from the market altogether, um, which is what's happening in Europe with high-dose supplements. So, so that's one avenue. Um, so that was very unpopular. Durbin has scaled back. Now he's just seeking for the list to be created, but that can be used many different ways. One is to look for high-dose supplements, Another, and this is really of concern for us, is that it's it's getting close to something called pre-market authorization for supplements. And this would be used in conjunction with a regulatory approach FDA is seeking to finalize, which requires any supplement that came into the market after 1994 um, to go through something akin to a pre-drug approval process. It's It's sort of technical and complicated, but it's um, very difficult. It's a huge hurdle for a lot of supplement companies because they're applying a drug standard. So it's quite controversial and it's incomplete. But for example, the FDA would look at this list and say, well, goodness, all of the supplements that haven't yet complied with this other process that's incomplete, those need to be taken out of the market. So there's, there's different things. And then the other thing I'll just say is a really good example of how this list would be used is um, N-acetylcysteine. So N-acetylcysteine, the FDA declared about a year and a half ago to be an illegally sold supplement because it was approved as a drug in the 60s. And FDA has said because of that, it's illegal to sell NAC. But FDA said, we're not going to clear it from the market yet. That's because FDA didn't have a list of all of those out there making mm. NAC. Right. Now, it's it's still in the market and we've been working on that and that there may be a positive ending to that story. But had this list been available at the time, NAC would have been swept from the market. It would have been gone and it would be too late to save it at this point. So what would be some of the implications for uh, the supplement industry? I mean, I mean, it sounds eminently reasonable. You know, we want to protect the public. Mm -hmm. uh, we want uh, supplement industries to disclose their ingredients. Frankly, there are some players who put some stuff out there that's not so great. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, uh, some of these supplements that are uh, weight loss supplements uh, that get people's hearts palpitating and uh, give them insomnia. Uh, some of the uh, sexual uh, enhancing supplements, uh, which I, I never recommend, uh, which may be laced with, uh, frankly, mm -hmm. drug ingredients. I mean, that 
uh, is a concern there, you know, for every marketplace, including uh, your supermarket, uh, you know, your automotive uh, dealership, uh, your appliance marketers. There's some players that aren't really playing by the rules. I agree. You've made some really good points, um, but then let's look at those. So, yes, there are bad actors out there. And what you're referring to are uh, acts that are already illegal. So you do have um, ingredients that are illegal included in supplements and not included on the label. And, and, and that's, I think, more common. And, uh, you know, when you look at bad actors, it's it's that there are the issue is that you don't know it's in that. These are like, you know, these infomercials you see at midnight or whatever, some fly-by-night mm-hmm. company, yep. and it's not disclosed. So this bill wouldn't do anything about that because the ingredient's not on the label. So that's not going to be useful. Now, Durbin has said there might be an example where there is an ingredient listed on the label that is dangerous that the FDA needs to know about. In that case, this bill would require the company to register and disclose the ingredient. Well, you have some actor, some company that's already breaking the law. Technically, if they are including an ingredient in their supplement that they should not be including, it's misbranded. The supplement is misbranded and they're subject to fines and imprisonment. Well, you're going to tell that company that they have to give that information to the FDA. And guess what? If they don't, their product is misbranded and they're subject to imprisonment and fines. I don't see those that are knowingly breaking the law already complying mm-hmm. with the new Dis- law to turn themselves right, in. Disclosing that they, they have bad stuff in their, in their supplements. They're already flying under the radar. Right. Yeah. Uh, but- I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I wanted to just follow up, though, in talking about who who is, you know, because you're asking the question, I think, whether or not there is a need for this bill. And I want to talk about who is supporting it, um, because it does sound innocuous. But let's talk about who would benefit from this mm-hmm. yeah. from this bill once passed. I can tell you that those out there that are in support are uh, some supplement companies that are owned by pharmaceutical companies. Mm. So you have the big guys out there supporting this. You have really good uh, supplement companies that make good products that doctors use in their practices. You know, they've got good, clean, um, strong research. They're really in this because they care about the patients. You know, they're out there saying this is actually a bad idea. So those are the companies that I respect. Um, mm-hmm. And their perspective is it's it's a bad idea. It's not needed. Because by the way, there are other registries, they already have two registries where this information, not all of this information, but um, a lot of it is supplied to the federal government, just not the FDA. So it's duplicative. And they understand the underlying reason why this is really um, a goal for some. And uh, th- quite frankly, pharmaceutical companies that own the supplement lines, supplement lines, these are like your, um, you know, some of the centrums out there, the companies that are sort of one size fits all standard brands, standard ingredients, simple ingredients, not a lot of um, varying dosages. Mm-hmm. These are pharmaceutical companies that are selling their products internationally. It's right, they're, a lot they're innocuous. easier to sell They your have product. relatively, mm-hmm. you know, low dosages. They're not going to push the envelope. You know, they're not going to mm-hmm. be aggressive. They may have 400 or 800 international national units of vitamin D, uh, you know, which is inadequate for the vast majority of people who are vitamin D deficient. Um, yeah. Uh, you well, know, I, guess I what happens? Right. Yeah. What, what happens if you get rid of all their competition? 
Mm-hmm. And they're one size fits all. They're harmonized and they can sell internationally. I mean, those are the kind of companies that would really benefit from something like this. And those are the companies out there saying, oh, this is something that's really necessary and helpful and supplement companies support it. Well, the, the companies are talking about are pharmaceutical companies. Right. And they're also scaled to already to deal with uh, the bureaucracy of uh, the federal government, the regulators and the FDA. Uh, they have uh, entire compliance departments, uh, you know, with scores and perhaps hundreds of employees who constantly submit documentation because they're making drugs, you know, inappropriately. Uh, you know, there has to be strict control on drugs because of the potential toxicity. Uh, and when it comes to supplement companies, Companies. Uh, yeah, there's some big companies that are affiliated with pharmaceutical companies. They have big uh, uh, departments that can uh, deal with this bureaucrat, new bureaucratic requirement. But the companies that, that we like are, are relatively small, nimble companies. Uh, uh, they may have, uh, you know, 100 or 200 employees. Uh, it would be an extraordinary burden to them to create a whole new layer of bureaucracy that they have to respond to every time that they uh, uh, produce a supplement. That is exactly right. And you also hit it on the head that um, they do have all of these sort of systems already put in place. So when the FDA, for example, creates something akin to a new drug approval process, they can easily jump in and do that for their synthetic um, supplements, right? And, and go through the process, they can afford it. And that additional layer on the companies that you're speaking of, again, eliminates more of their competition. Let, you know, let's and these are the- I'm sorry. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. Go ahead. uh, Let's look at the politics behind this, because it appears that uh, Senator Durbin uh, has been the arch foe of the supplement industry uh, practically forever. Uh, What's up with that? I mean, is it is it the his uh, uh, progressive uh, values that, you know, he believes in in more government regulation? Is is that the bias or uh, does he have ties to the pharmaceutical industry? Is he or is his are his strings being pulled by, in effect, the competitors to the, the small supplement industry? Well, that's a good question. His story is that a personal, I think it was a personal friend of his years ago, had some sort of uh, an incident related to a dietary supplement. That's Mm -hmm. his personal story. And I don't know that much about it um, or what happened. Um, But I do know that he does receive money from pharmaceutical companies. And I also know it's not just Durbin at this point. Um, He's been pushing this for many, many years. But at this point, you also have the FDA and the chair of the Senate Help Committee, that's the Committee of Jurisdiction in the Senate, Patty Murray, also asking for this. And you have President just put a request in for funding for this particular um, law in his um, budget proposal. So you have all the Democrats lining up, Mm -hmm. not only within Congress, and then you have the president, and then you have the agency. So everybody's aligning on this one little bill that, again, it's, it's, I mean, it's, let's talk about supplements in terms of adverse events that are reported annually. Um, of all of the different reporting systems, supplements make up 0.01% of, of harms reported. There are no dead bodies. There are no huge scandals. Right. So why, why are they pushing this so hard? You know, and you have to really, again, look at who's going to benefit. What is really going on here? Because it's not, there's not a problem. There's not a huge problem here. So why why is there such a focus? 
But there also seems to, to, to be some, they're enlisting some support on the Republican side because it sounds so uh, eminently reasonable. It's not, you know, uh, many bills uh, are, are log jammed in Congress because, you know, they're so partisan. Uh, this is uh, overwhelmingly supported by Democrats, but they've reached across the aisles to their colleagues on the Republican side, and we're getting some support from uh, Republican legislators. That's right. Senator Braun has co-sponsored the bill, so you do have bipartisan support. From Indiana, right? Th- that's correct. Right. That's correct. So, okay, so what's the, the time urgency on this? Uh, you know, how bad does it look? Is it a foregone conclusion that this is going to go through? Because uh, when I convened with uh, the A&H board uh, last week uh, at a really nice retreat that we had in uh, North Carolina, uh, we had representatives of the supplement industry uh, who were really concerned that this is going to go down and that uh, it, it's a foregone conclusion. There's too much momentum behind this. And despite uh, the public outcry, um, this is inevitable. I don't think it's inevitable, but it it is very crucial that people get involved and make this controversial right now. There, it's, it's proceeding on according to two different avenues. One, we spoke about the bill itself that um, Senator Durbin and Braun have introduced. So that's a freestanding bill. That is much more difficult to pass, although it has to go through the Committee of Jurisdiction and Help, and Patty Murray favors it. So there's, you know, they've got some support there, but it is still hard to pass standalone bills like this. Separately, there is another piece of legislation, PDUFA. It's the Prescription Drug User Fee Act, and that is legislation that basically it's um, approved every five years or it's renewed every five years. And that is what enables drug companies to pay the FDA to essentially approve their drugs. It, it's right? like the a, it sounds like it's kind of like a defense appropriation. You know, you, it, it has mm-hmm. to pass. But then mm-hmm. what happens is there's all kinds of machinations to tag things onto it uh, that, uh, you know, maybe uh, it's sort of like making a sausage, you know, when you're putting uh, mm-hmm. some unsavory ingredients into it. That's exactly right. It has to pass. It will absolutely, there's undoubtedly PDUFA will be re, reauthorized by November of this year. So the goal has been for those that are really behind this bill to, atta- to attach it to PDUFA, which is, by the way, a horrible idea to attach a supplement uh, bill or, you know, amendment to a drug bill because they're just, again, trying to say that supplements are like drugs. So that's, that's bad in and of itself. But if it's attached, then, you know, it would be just about impossible to have it removed. Um, now, the bill, PDUFA, was introduced in the House, and so far, it does not include this language. Now, it hasn't been marked up, meaning that the Committee of Jurisdiction, Energy, and Commerce hasn't had a hearing to discuss the bill where amendments are offered. So, it will likely be offered as an amendment to that bill in the House, the Senate bill has not been introduced yet. So this is all happening right now. It's the timetable is the next few weeks, the next couple months. I mean, Congress changes their mind. So it's not real clear. It's not a set timetable. But those that are working on it on the Hill have said they don't want anything controversial in PDUFA. So if we make a lot of noise and can keep it out of PDUFA, then I think that that is really um, our best shot to shoot, um, shoot this down again. We've defeated it three times in the past. 
it's never been this close. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, so who do we target? Because I mean, writing a letter to the White House, you know, whitehouse.gov, you know, this is a waste of time. You'll get a form letter. Uh, are there any specific uh, legislators uh, to target? I, you know, that's one of the nice things about A&H. A&H kind of knows its way around Washington. Uh, we have a lobbyist in place uh, and she's busy scurrying around, you know, talking to uh, legislators uh, about this bill. And, you know, frankly, I think that the vast majority of, of Congress people are ill-informed on this issue. And, you know, they'll just go along to get along. And, you know, it seems reasonable uh, unless they have uh, receive a lot of blowback or a lot of pressure. Or they get an explanation like you've made. Uh, you know, they're going to vote for it. So who do we target? At this point, we are targeting all of Congress. So mm -hmm. there was a period when we were targeting Braun because we didn't want him to sign on. Um, and so we, and sometimes we'll target a particular committee. You're right. We can be really focused. But at this point, we're targeting all of Congress because we want a lot of people talking about all of the negativity they're hearing regarding this bill because you're absolutely right. It, it sounds innocuous. What's the big deal about a listing requirement? And um, it, it, they don't understand what's going on. Indeed. So, uh, what, there's an action alert if you go to, uh, usaorg right? And, uh, you know, how does that work? Uh, what are the mechanics of that? And how do we make it easy for listeners to register their concerns? Right. So um, we have the alert on our website, and uh, it's it's quite easy. One can just click on it, and we have some text already written, um, but it can be amended, and, it, and we encourage people to amend it and include their own thoughts, but we've listed all of our concerns, mm -hmm. and individuals basically put in their zip code, so it's going to go to their, their members, their um, congressperson, and their senators. Does it count more if someone is a health professional and someone can say, look, you know, I have a large practice. Uh, I utilize mm -hmm. nutritional supplements. They're, they're crucial, uh, in getting my patients well. Uh, is it, are we reaching out especially to, uh, sympathetic health practitioners? We are, and absolutely, that makes a big difference. The other component to this, if this passes, supplement prices will increase because mm -hmm. it's a huge burden yeah. to the supplement companies. And it's it's not just a one-time registration. It's anytime there's a label change, anytime mm -hmm. an ingredient. I mean, it's, there's all these little tweaks Which frequently that there do. is. Frequently there is. I Co mean, you know, correct. Change labels all the time. Right. So all of that compliance costs money and that's going to get passed down to us. And as somebody who takes supplements and my you know, family members take supplements, I mean, if the price goes up, you can only afford so much. So it, it's a huge deal and it could really impact a lot of people. Um, health professionals talking about how this could impact their um, patients, I think, is really valuable. Indeed. All right. So ANH-USA.org. Uh, check out uh, the action alert. Uh, on the Durban bill and on the Padufa bill. I'm not sure what the initials are, but uh, one is from the Senate, one is from the House. Uh, we need to stop this in its tracks. And if you think, you know, the old expression, it can't happen here, well, think again, because uh, we have news from Europe. Uh, storm clouds are brewing, uh, and a lot of of uh, U.S. regulators and legislators are looking enviously at Europe. They're licking their chops because they're saying, hey, we need tighter regulations in the U.S. Look what our colleagues across the pond are doing. We'll talk about that in part two.
Our guest is the executive director of the Alliance for Natural Health. She's Gretchen DeBeau. Gretchen, we'll be right back. Talk to you some more about uh, the uh, Durban bill, which signals the end of high-dose supplements and supplements uh, that are unique and designed especially to meet our needs. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. 